This is Andrea. Connie's here. And we've just been wondering about all things church or theology or discipleship or Jesus. In 20 minutes or less. This This is Just Wondering. Well, Connie, you're getting me excited. I don't know. Peter might have been my last pick. And I think discipleship goes deeper than that. That Jesus could sign. Really? Like, I just rose from the dead and now, like, you're still on that. I thought we had moved past this by now. Today, we are just wondering about biblical interpretation and how the ways that we interpret scripture actually affect our faith and how we're able to live it out. So please, come wonder with us. Andrea, I am wondering today, how do you interpret scripture? Because I think that as disciples, that's what we have. Now, granted, we do it individually. Mm-hmm. We also do it in community, which allows for different lens. Right. I'm sitting at home reading scripture by myself, deciding what it means. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. If I'm reading it in a community group mm-hmm. and people are saying things that I wouldn't have thought about sitting in my house by myself then that helps me interpret scripture in a probably a different and better way, frankly. Right. And also, you know, looking at church tradition, church history, how Mm -hmm. people in the last 2000 years or so have been interpreting some of these same things. I was on phone to a friend just yesterday, as a matter of fact, but she was telling me a story about her Aunt May and having, having gone to Aunt May's church because Aunt May is the matriarch. She is 95 wow. in the family now. And pretty much what Aunt May says, the 36 members of the family <laughs> do, right? <laughs> and so Aunt May had rented a local, like a community hall. This is a small town, small rural community. So she had rented the hall. And word had spread all over town before Aunt May had told any of the family that they were going to have a family reunion. (laughs) And the family members were finding out about it because (laughs) they were running into people around town and said, oh, Aunt May told me that you were having a family reunion. (laughs) Oh, really? Uh, She also told me you all were coming to church all together that Sunday. Oh, we are? Well, okay. If Aunt May says so, then we are. So yeah, this event unfolded and they did all go to church. In the audience was a sister-in-law that actually since this time has passed away from cancer. She knew she was dying. She knew she was terminally ill. And she, when she realized the seriousness of her diagnosis, had begun reading scripture, maybe for the first time in her adult life. And taking it rather seriously yeah. because she she knew that death was coming. And it was such a bizarre three-ring circus. In fact, my friend said, I really think what he's got going there, he being the pastor, I really think he's got a cult. And my Aunt May is 95 and, and she can't hear and she doesn't always know what's going on. Yeah. She said, I don't think she's aware of really what's what's happening. And I'm not worried about my Aunt May getting caught up in it because she won't do anything she doesn't want to do. <laughs> but she said, I made sure that I spent some time with my sister-in-law after this service because I wanted her to know the things he had said in that service were not things that Jesus would have any of us say mm. about love and about grace and about God and about seeing us and comforting us because it was all the opposite of, you know, what you and I would say about those very things. And it was very important to her to say that to her sister-in-law 
that there are other ways to interpret those very same words. First of all, that just makes me so sad, but also so grateful that that your friend was there Mm -hmm. to talk to her Mm sister-in-law, especially if she had been, like you said, reading scripture at home alone, trying to kind of understand it and interpret it for herself. And then to hear someone who you expect to be educated in this capacity say things that are a little out there. One of the things that I have learned in recent years, I think seminary training really helped with this, Mm -hmm. was even understanding the ways that we interpret scripture. Mm -hmm. Things that I never realized I was doing before Mm -hmm. that were just part of my upbringing or how I was taught to think about scripture. I grew up and we kind of treated scripture like it was a chain. Um, Every little piece of scripture was a link in the chain. Mm. I didn't even realize this until I read a book by Nadia Boltz Weber, and she used the same analogy. Mm, and I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this is exactly what mm. I experienced. But we treat it as if every aspect of scripture is a link in the chain. And if one of those links gets broken, for example, we read something in the Old Testament that we're going, huh, that. I'm not really sure how I feel about this. If one link in that chain breaks, then the idea is the whole chain breaks. So you either accept all of Scripture or you accept none of Scripture, and you cannot have anywhere in between. Hmm. Well, Nadia Boltz Weber comes back from this analogy and says, when she got older and went to her seminary, she was taught to look at Scripture more like it's a target, and Jesus is at the center of that target. And then, you know, you have rings around your target. And so maybe the stuff in the next string is um, uh, the larger stories of the Gospels. And the stuff in the ring after is is what we see in the New Testament. And the rings, the further you get away from Jesus, are the more outer rings. And so as you're looking at Scripture and you're trying to reckon with some of the more difficult things that it says, you look at your target and you say, okay, is this closer to that center? Is this closer to Jesus? Mm. Or is this maybe in one of these outer rings mm-hmm. that, that we need to not give quite as much weight mm-hmm. as we do to some of the things, let's say, in the gospel or the New Testament? Yeah, I, uh, well, that's good. That's good food for thought. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the woman at the well? Yes. And we talked about reading that story as women mm-hmm. and that we we possibly read the story differently now as adult women then we heard it preached always by men yes as we were growing up mm-hmm. well i think that's also true of all of scripture and reading it with through the eyes and mind and heart of a woman i think it's true reading it through the eyes and mind and heart of a person of color mm-hmm. i think it's true uh, about age yes right isn't it just <laughs> wondrous the way children read scripture. <laughs> I, I mean, isn't it really? It is. It's just wondrous to me mm-hmm. to hear and see them uh, read and interpret scripture, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, versus, uh, you know, 95-year-old Aunt May. So, yeah, that's that's all fascinating to me. But to read scripture through through the lens of Jesus, if you will. Well, and one of the things that you just said about how all of those different things, the lens through which we look at Scripture affect how we read it. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be aware of this. So many people yes. aren't even aware of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. My situation in life, my culture, my country, mm-hmm. my economic status, mm-hmm. all of these things impact how I interpret Scripture, especially if I'm just sitting in my room interpreting it alone. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is not only 
to, to let myself interpret it from my own situation, but to try to open my mind more to interpret it from other people's situation to consider if I'm a man, how would a woman interpret this same scripture? How would a person of color, how would a person in a different country interpret this same scripture? Mm -hmm. I think the only way that we are able to do that is to seek to interpret scripture through the lens of Christ. Mm-hmm. All of those people, the ages, the the socioeconomic statuses, the skin colors, that is, that is all part of God and who God is and God's beautiful creation. None of us are closer or farther away from God. Mm-hmm. And so if we will let Christ be the lens through which we look at scripture, I think it will help us open up to new interpretations and new possibilities. Dr. Marshall, we've mentioned her a couple of times in this <laughs> in this podcast. Dr. Marshall talks about being theologically hospitable, uh, you know, having hospitality towards other theologies, other interpretations, mm-hmm. views outside of just our own. Mm-hmm. And I think there's grace in that. I benefit when I hear a person of color interpret scripture in a way that I have never considered before. Or when I hear a man preach this and I think about it differently as a woman and it helps me to hold those things Mm -hmm. side by side. Mm -hmm. So rather than look at it as a chain that says, if you interpret this differently, you are breaking my chain and therefore the whole thing falls apart. We think, no, I'm going to put on the lens of Christ and I'm going to consider this from various perspectives. And I'm going to see which of these perspectives seem to be closer to the heart and mind of Jesus which is love indiscriminately, love above all else, justice, selflessness, gentleness, these things that characterized who Jesus was when he was on this earth and who the Spirit still is. These are the things that I want to lean towards as I interpret Scripture. Uh, I remember the shift for me to not read Scripture as a history book, or to not read it as a science book, or to not read it as a fortune-telling book or prophecy book. Uh, but, but how do we read Scripture? How do we understand what Scripture is? And the shift for me was the realization that what the Scripture is, is the story of God interacting with humanity. Yes. And so it's God's story, it's our story, as humanity our and it's our story, God and humanity story. All it's it's all of that. And in realizing that in telling a story, we often utilize different kinds of literature. And the Bible has different kinds of literature. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is sort of historical accounting. Sometimes there's narrative. Sometimes that's historical and sometimes <laughs> it's not. And sometimes there's prophecy. And sometimes there's poetry Oh, and filled with metaphor and yes, symbolism. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful poetry. Yeah. And the poetry sometimes was sung, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. And so... It's, it's full of these different kinds of literature, and all of that is for a reason and for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that we shouldn't always read poetry as if it should all be taken literally and historically factual, mm-hmm. we can't do the same thing with the poetry that we read in Scripture either. Or, or we'll, miss, we'll miss the intention. We'll miss some of the deeper meaning mm-hmm. because we only relegate it to 
our very literal understanding. Have you noticed the, the piece of artwork I have in my office? There is a picture of an older gentleman. You can tell he's biblical era by how he's dressed. And over his right, and he's writing. He has a pen and, and some parchment. And he's sort of looking away the way you look away when you're trying to gather some thoughts. And over his right shoulder is a little face, a human face. And it is the writing, it's the, it's the inspiration of, of St. Matthew oh. for the writing of the book of yeah. Matthew. And that's the angel who's speaking to Matthew over his shoulder. But it serves to remind me that this book, whether I have it between cardboard pages Mm-hmm. <laughs> or leather facsimile, <laughs> imitation leather, <laughs> or even on my phone. It is still this sacred reading and writing and interaction. It's a, it's a sacred act when I read scripture. And it's okay, by the way, to sit and read it at home by yourself. That's yeah, okay absolutely. to reflect on the scripture. <laughs> I don't mean don't do that. But don't just do scripture that way. Mm-hmm. Get into community yes, and read scripture in community and hear it spoken in community, hear it taught in community. If you aren't doing this as a disciple of Christ, then there's a real challenge, I think, to, to your fuller, richer, deeper understanding of, of what God is able to do in your life. And that's going to be good news. You're, mm-hmm. you're not going to be scared by that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good news uh, when you discover all that. Well, Connie, let me let me come back to something that you said about believing that these scriptures are sacred. You know, we often hear that scripture is the inspired word of God. I struggle with that because I think uh, John, the first chapter of John, is especially clear that Jesus himself is the word of God, the word made flesh. So I just don't like to use that link that terminology because it confuses me. But I do believe the scripture is inspired. I do believe it is sacred to most of us. Not everybody who reads the Bible thinks it's sacred. Mm-hmm. But I think that the danger that we have is when we say that it's inspired or sacred, we tend to elevate it to this status of, therefore, it cannot be thought of with a critical eye. We can't think deeper about what it says. If, if we hold it as sacred, then we take it at face value and we just let it be what it is. I'll tell you a few years ago, I was in a women's Bible study and we were going through one of Rachel Held Evans books. Mm -hmm. And Rachel Held Evans was phenomenal at taking the scripture and questioning it and wrestling with it in a way that I think was really beautiful. But, But one of her defining moments at the beginning of her journey was reading some of these stories in the Old Testament where God supposedly tells the Israelites to go kill every living thing in this town as you're taking the promised land. Go commit genocide. Exactly. She's saying, wait a second, we believe in this loving Jesus who loves everyone, and yet a few books earlier, it seems like God is telling them to commit genocide, and that doesn't match up to me. Well, we were talking in this Bible study about this part of her book and and wrestling, and, and one of the women in our Bible study who has been a faithful older woman being a Christian her entire life said, well, I just don't think you can question those things. 
they're just in the Bible. You just have to accept, and, and they shouldn't affect your faith. It gets God. God can do whatever God wants, and it's not our job to, to question or think critically about it. And I know that that's a big school of thought for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I don't want to discredit that woman because she right. is a woman of right. great faith, and, right. I, and I completely understand where she was coming from. On the other hand, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at Scripture and going, that just doesn't seem right based on the lens that I'm looking at the scripture through, which is the lens of Christ, Mm -hmm. the image of the invisible God, the one who sacrificed himself even to the point of death to bring the whole world into relationship with God. This just doesn't seem like the same God. So what happens, Andrea, (laughs) I I see in people, have experienced it in myself, if we don't do the full work and the continuous work of trying to understand, because I too have sometimes read a passage and just not wanted to wrestle with it. I just didn't want to come to an understanding of it. I just didn't want to do that work. Yes. And so I was willing just to read it, let it sit on the shelf, and just go on to some more favorite parts of Scripture. But if we don't do that hard work on the passages that challenge us and, and that they are hard to understand. Mm-hmm. If we don't do the work, then that kind of practice of discipleship shows up in other ways in our lives when we can't just set it aside. Like, for example, when something tragic happens in our own life. And we can't just set that aside and say, you know, I just don't understand this. I'll think about it later. But okay, God, let's skip to the good parts. Right. Because it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. Yeah. And I think that the experience of being a disciple is looking through the lens of Christ at, at all things. Absolutely. And, you know, to go back to that earlier analogy, if we look at the scripture as if it is a chain and we begin to wrestle with, let's mm-hmm. just keep calling on these genocidal stories mm-hmm. that we're, we're messing with the link in that chain. Mm-hmm. And some people would, would be scared that if we break that link, the whole thing is going to fall away. But I think... If we will allow ourselves to consider biblical interpretation from a new perspective, it gives us space where we can say, I believe that these scriptures are inspired. I believe that they are sacred. I believe that they are authoritative in my life. And yet there are aspects of them that I either just don't know what to do with or can't really reckon with the God that I see in the New Testament and the God that I know calls me to love everyone I meet. Some of the best Bible studies and small groups that I've been in Mm -hmm. have been groups that have been willing to read those hard passages, those hard texts that really none of us clearly understood. Certainly. And we were willing to wrestle with them in community. And boy, when you come out of that kind of experience and come to some new understandings, it is a deep, rich, meaningful experience. And and that's what I would wish for all of our folks in studying Scripture and studying Bible. Absolutely. And I, and I think it makes our faith less fragile. Yes. It gives us the practice yes. in holding two seemingly contradictory things next to each other and mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. even though I'm wrestling with this, even though I don't know what to think about this, here's what I do know. I know that Jesus is love. I know that God is good. Mm-hmm. And I can hold these two things in my hands right now and not have to tie them up with a neat little bow. Mm-hmm. The lens through which we interpret scripture 
really does matter. Are there things that you're just wondering about? Connie and I would love to hear from you. Send us an email with your thoughts and we'd be happy to talk about it on the podcast. We're grateful to Charles Smith for helping us record these episodes and to Hook Sounds for allowing us to download this music titled Save the World. <laughs>